Hello, welcome to Baby Boomer Tales. My name is Jim. When I was 18 years old, I decided it was time for me to go out on my big adventures. And so I left home right around the 4th of July. Took off hitchhiking with a friend of mine named John. We were going to Norway. I know that's a long ways away, but I had a plan. You see, when I was a junior in high school, we had this magazine that we would get monthly, I believe, in class. It's called Scholastic or something like that. And it introduced me to the world of hippies. And I knew more about the Vietnam War reading that than I ever saw on TV or anything. But they had a program where you could become a pen pal with a student from another part of the world. I believe it must have been one of my classes we had to do this. And so I became a pen pal with a girl from Norway. Her name was Arnlug. She even sent me a business card. She's a pretty blonde girl. Now, I know what you're thinking. She sent me a business card. I don't know. Supposedly she was a high school student in Norway. Whatever. Because of our correspondence back and forth, I kind of got a little bit of a crush on her. I decided to go see her. So the plan was to hitchhike to New Orleans, get a job on a merchant marine ship, and work my way over to Norway. Once I was there, I could meet Arnlug and we could have a good old time. So I recruited my friend John, who I'd been working with at the local golf course that summer, and off we went. Well, it was a harrowing trip, to say the least, but we finally made it to New Orleans. And I remember when we first got there, we were dragging all our bags and stuff. I had packed pretty heavy, not being an experienced hitchhiker at all, at least not in the long trips. And these two little black boys, probably about 10 years old, came up to us and said, Hey, are you guys hungry? We can show you a great place to eat. Only cost you a quarter for us to take you there. So you're on. Okay, sure we're hungry. So they started walking. We followed them. They helped us lug our baggage. Finally came to this little, looked like a little house. They said, here's the place. Yeah, right. Well, watch your bags for you out here for another quarter if you want to go in and eat. I don't know. I don't know. So I'll come on with you. So we went in there. And the place was full of people. I couldn't believe it. There were people from all walks of life there. What they were serving was red beans and rice. It's the only thing on the menu. So we each ordered a plate of red beans and rice. It cost us a quarter of plate. And it was full and it was delicious. I had never had red beans and rice in my life. The only thing I can associate it with that red beans and rice place was the barbecue places here in Kansas City. Some of the very best barbecue you can find here is you find some dumpy little hole-in-the-wall type place. You go in there, it's the best barbecue in the world. Literally. I do not like those sit-down places. And the waiters are all too full of energy and stuff. And the barbecue just so-so. I'd rather go somewhere. Some old guy just picks up that brisket with his hands and throws it on a plate, throw a little white bread on there. There's three kinds of sauces on the table. Thank you very much. 
Well, that's what this red beans and rice place was like. And it was delicious. We bought both those kids a plate of red beans and rice. They washed our bags. We ate our fill. Went back out. What a great welcoming to the city of New Orleans. Well, we walked over to the French Quarter. Found out where that was. Went to this little park called Jackson Square. Nobody's there. There was nobody in that park except one guy sitting over by the fountain. If I remember right, it was a big fountain of Andrew Jackson, I do believe. And just sitting there playing a guitar. Sat down by him and asked him a little bit about New Orleans. And sure isn't busy around here, he said. That's because yesterday the police came and hauled everyone to jail. Biggest bust in the history of New Orleans. Wow, man. What did they go to jail for? Everything. Loitering, drugs, alcohol, you name it. They went to the jail. Glad we missed that one. Well, so we started hanging around the French Quarter. If you have never been down there, it's an amazing place. Back in the late 60s, there were a lot of strip joints up and down Bourbon Street. A lot of little coffee shops, a lot of nice restaurants, a lot of tourists, a lot of just about everything. You could see just about anything. I can't even imagine what it'd be like today. The next day, we went down where a bunch of these ships were. And we found out that there was a merchant marine strike or a maritime strike. Now, if I can remember right, I don't think the ships were going at all. So there's some kind of labor dispute or something. And so that is on hold. We cannot just get a job and go. We don't know when this strike is going to be over. So we got a place to stay there right off of the French Quarter next thing I know, we'd been living there for a couple months. Trying to make a living there was not easy, short of going and getting an actual job, which I did not want. I wanted to be on call. I wanted to get on that boat and go see Arnlug. Well, I started giving tours of the French Quarter and Canal Street and the surrounding area. The way I give tours, I just find several cute girls that are walking together offer to give them a tour for a couple bucks a piece or something like that. Take them around, show them all the highlights and the low lights and keep them out of the dangerous parts and had fun in the fun parts. I'd give a tour, you know, two or three times a week usually. That was pretty good. Something I'll never forget about New Orleans was the graveyards. The water table is just too high to dig a grave there. So what they do, and please forgive me if I don't have this 100% correct, but the graves are kind of like a little crypt, and they open it up, and they put you in there, and then over time, your body decomposes and goes through these grates and falls down onto the ground inside this little crypt. And they're usually family crypts, so several people could be buried right in that little area. It's amazing. I, I've never seen anything like it. Another thing I did for work is I sold a underground newspaper. Anybody old enough to remember underground newspapers, hippie newspapers, whatever. This one down in New Orleans was called The Word. And when you went into the office there where they made the newspaper for distribution, if you went back in the offices, you'd have to take all your clothes off and walk around there naked. Everyone that worked in that newspaper office worked naked. 
It's probably my only real true encounter with hippies. Now, you know, I was around the block a lot. A lot of people thought they were hippies, but I have to admit, I had never seen anything like this before or since. But that, like anything else, you get used to. And I used to just go to the front desk and get my lot of newspapers and settle up with them on the newspapers I sold. Go around selling the word there on Bourbon Street, New Orleans, Louisiana. Well, it looked like we weren't going to get a job on a merchant marine ship in the near future. Contemplating what I was going to do, I came up with a great idea. I should have brought my car. Now, when I left home, the idea of hitchhiking was very romantic and very much it was called my name. Go out into the world hitchhiking. And that's what I did, but all of a sudden now I want my car. I had a 1963 Ford station wagon. Quite the car. Really my favorite car of all time. And so I told John, I'm going to go get my car. You just stay here, hold the fort down, I'll be back. And I took off hitchhiking back towards Colorado. The country outside of New Orleans is fascinating. Swamp land and you drive on elevated bridges and roads a lot. Well, I got back to my hometown in record time, really, and my parents would not let me take my car. My dad explained to me that I would lose it or crash it or not take care of it or something, which I was all capable of, everything he mentioned. So what am I going to do now? Well, I got to go back. So I took off hitchhiking. I got down to San Antonio, Texas, and they're having the hemisphere there back in, I believe it was 1968. I remember walking by the Hemisphere and just looked like a big state fair or something to me. But then I was walking right close to the Alamo and these guys picked me up. I was kind of hitchhiking. They said, where are you going? I told them New Orleans. They said, we're going that way. So I got in. They stopped in Port Arthur, Texas, where several of them lived. They were surfers from Port Arthur, Texas. I know that's hard to get your head around. But they were coming from the West Coast, going to the East Coast, since their hometown for a couple of these guys, Port Arthur. We stayed there a couple of days, then we went on to New Orleans. Once I got to New Orleans, I could not find John. John had gone, or at least he wasn't living where I thought he lived. No one had seen him. So as I was looking for John, went back to the car where these four guys were, and one of them had been arrested. What? Cop had stopped him, asked him something. He smarted off, got himself searched. He had a pocket knife on him, and they threw him in jail because of his pocket knife. So I went down to the police station there, and he's getting ready to go to court at night. This is the middle of the night. It had to be 10, 11 o'clock at night. He went to court, and he had to pay $5 fine, and they confiscated the knife. And so let's get in the car, and we headed out, and we got the heck out of New Orleans. I've only been there one time since then, looking for somebody else, which I never found. Some of the famous people that are from New Orleans, here's a short list. Truman Capote, William Faulkner, Sandra Bullock, Donna Douglas, Ellie Mae Clampett, Dorothy Lamore, Garrett Morris, Tyler Perry, Reese Witherspoon, Cokie Roberts, Howard K. Smith, 
Harry Connick Jr., Louis Armstrong, Fats Domino, Pete Fountain, Aaron Neville, Al Hurt, Branford Marcellus, Tom Dempsey, Marshall Folk, Peyton Manning, and Pete Maravich. Years later, after I was married and had a family, we were up at my parents' house picking our little girls up. Grandma and Grandpa had been babysitting that evening. And my mother pulled out this old newspaper, had some naked guys sitting there on the cover. It's a copy of the Word, that old underground newspaper that I used to sell down on Bourbon Street in New Orleans. I asked her where she got that, and she told me that when I came home to pick up my car back all those many years ago, that I gave her that copy of that newspaper, and she saved it ever since. I believe I have it here, downstairs and all my old stuff. I dig through that stuff once in a while to find a picture, find an old magazine or something. I usually use that stuff to promote the podcast. I couldn't believe that I used to sell something like that go around, go into an office where nobody wore any clothes. I've always been a little bit like that, but I was never a streaker. I never really participated in activities such as that. I'm just a mountain boy that got tired of wearing four layers of clothes nine months out of the year. I'm free, I'm free, I'm free. The plane, the plane. Thanks for riding along. You can find us at babyboomertales.com. Once you've arrived, there are links to our Facebook page, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, both those places you can hear our podcast, and more. If you like our podcast, all I ask is that you share it. Kindness is a gift you ought to pass along. You'll be glad you did. I'll be back next Wednesday. Peace out. November 3rd, 1968. Dear Arnlug, by now you've probably figured out that I did not make it to Norway. At first, I tried really hard, but it just didn't work out. Maybe someday we shall meet. I can't promise I'll write anymore. After all, I'm out of high school, and I'm very busy, and our friendship was special to me, and I will never forget you. Your pen pal friend, Jim.